Oh yeah, Bison Nation, are you ready? Can you feel that? Let's just let this marinate for a second. Let's get warm. It's a cold one outside. These are the Dakota Field Days. If you notice a little change in the old voice today, this is not, in fact, Josh Swanson. This is his twin brother pinch hitting today, Justin Swanson. So we're going to try to step up to the Swanee standards here on Herd It Here today. And we have a guest with us in the studio, and we'll get to him in a second, uh, Mr. Patrick Thiel. Patrick, an NDSU Gold Star Marching Band alumni, a running back coach of the state champion, Shanley Deacons, here to talk with us a little FCS football, a little NDSU, a little UND, and set the stage what's going to be a, a monster day inside the Fargo Dome. And let's start and let's let's get this out of the way, Bison fans out there, for everyone. Uh, I wish we played outside still. I wish we were at Dakota Field. Football's meant to be played outside. Come on, give me a Dave Coulier. Cut it out. It's eight degrees outside. It's freezing. If we were at Dakota Field, there'd be 100 people in the stands. You'd have Eddie Schultz and Dana Mott calling the game. We'd all be out of there at halftime at Chubb. So let's not even go down that road. Of course, we're in the Fargo Dome, the friendly confines for one of the biggest matchups in the FCS this weekend. A 2.30 kickoff for the rivalry North Dakota State versus the University of North Dakota. The old NCC Day is the last weekend of the year. The Bison versus the Sioux-UND. So let's set the table. Pat, how are we doing this morning? I'm doing great. Let's talk some football. Let's talk some football. A Saturday football feast here on the last college football Saturday before Thanksgiving. We're already at that point of the season. we got brackets coming out tomorrow, but we got a lot of business to settle today. If you tune your dials to ESPN, you'll see Montana, Montana State, the brawl of the wild, college game day, Kirk Herb Street, Lee Corso and the gang are out there. Of course, we got uh, some glorious matchups around the Missouri Valley today. The Big Sky certainly is intriguing, but let's start off North Dakota State versus the University of North Dakota. And I love telling stories, so I'm going to set the stage here for our audience of last September. Pat and I take a trip up I-29 to Grand Forks, North Dakota, to watch the game in the Alaris. And give give those fans credit, give that squad credit. It was a great tailgate, a beautiful day outside, great day for college football. 12,000 fans and change impact inside the tin bin there on I-29 Grand Forks. So Pat and I drive up to the game, do a little JL beers beforehand, get ready, head up to the tailgate, meet up with some friends, have a a beverage or two, and we uh, start to work our way inside to watch a football game and run into our pal Steve Walker and his son, and they're right in front of us. And, of course, they scan Steve's tickets, and I'll turn it over to Pat here to share uh, what he and I walk through next. At the Alaris. At the Alaris. At the, you know, it, I need to preface this. Uh, it'll come out throughout this show that I dislike UND, but it is what that institution stands for in my mind. Growing up with this rivalry, the people at UND are pretty good. The people at Grand Forks are good people. Bubba Schweigert is a good football coach. It's just what that institution stands for, in my mind, growing up with this rivalry. I just don't know that the Alaris Center had seen that kind of a crowd. We walked in with our phones ready to scan our tickets. No one there. Around the corner, no one there. Oh, must be up the stairs. Up the stairs... Looking around, no one. No one scanned our tickets. We just walked right in. We had tickets. 
There just was not anyone there. I just don't know that they were ready for for that size of a crowd. So it, it's safe to say Pat and I were a couple insurrectionists. We infiltrated the Alaris Center up in Grand Forks, and he's not lying, folks. We walked in the stadium past three checkpoints, and not once did anyone scan our tickets. And we get to that top kind of catwalk behind the end zone and run back into Mr. Steve Walker and his son, and we kind of look at him quizzically like, hey, did uh, anyone scan your tickets? He's like, yeah, right inside the door. Did anyone scan yours? We're like, uh, no, no, they did not. So that was our start to the day. We go up to our seats and uh, sitting by a lot of buys and fans having a good time, and it's a close game throughout the first half. NDSU put some points on the board, and at halftime we decide that my wife's uncle has a suite at the Alaris, so we had an invitation to go up to the suite level and join him in the suite. And so I'm texting him back and forth. I'm like, well, do we need a, a pass? Do we show him our tickets? What do we do? He's like, just pop in the elevator, come on up. And I'm thinking it can't be that easy. And I look at Pat, well, let, let, let's go. Let's go check it out. And we walk up to suite level. And uh, first we go up the wrong stairs, and a friendly lady tells us, no, no, you just want to take the elevator down that way. So we did, and we get to the top, and there's the bar off the elevator. And, again, not a single person to scan or check our tickets whatsoever. And we walk to the suite, and we walk up there for the second half and and have a time. And Bison go on to win that game, of course. We had Quincy uh, Patterson and Hunter Lipke lead us down the field on that last drive to put the game on ice. And so the game wraps up, and my wife's uncle says, hey, we're we're going to take off. we got a hockey game here later tonight. We're going to go over to the Inglestead. But you guys stay and enjoy the suite as long as you want. So Pat and I uh, crack a couple cold beverages to celebrate the win, and we're in the suite right next to the the play-by-play voice of the Bison, Mr. Jeff Colhane at that time, and Phil Hansen, and pass them a cold beverage across the way there and sit in the suite for an hour after the game watching college football and celebrating the win. Yeah, that that was fun. And I I, I tell you what, uh, a lot of people in that suite were were fun to talk to, were fun to sit and watch a, a UND-NDSU game. And there was one lady there that was not happy. And so when the game was done, she was done. But, you know, I tell you what, like there, you know, as much as we might poke fun uh, at people and their lack of interest uh, in Grand Forks and UND football, there are quite a few people who have followed UND football closely. And really, at, like, they've just been under the thumb of NDSU and SDSU and maybe maybe USD a little bit too, uh, j- just for a long time, you know? So, like, so they're ready to get up off the ground with that. And so, like, there are, there are still a lot where, where those losses sting bad every time. Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier, Pat. The people up there are great people. Um, I'm going to give credit where credit's due as I get older, wiser, more mature. You know, Bubba's a fantastic football coach. He has a really hard job. He's building a program in the shadow of the most dominant program and FCS history started behind the eight ball with NDSU and even South Dakota State. I had ran into a, one of UND's uh, staff folks here a couple years ago at a conference, a fundraising conference, and we're talking FCS football. And you know, back in the '90s and early 2000s, you know, UND won the national title in 01. They're sitting in the late '90s. They were kind of the team having that success in the NCC. And I don't think they'd ever would have imagined finding themselves uh, in a position where South Dakota State had better facilities than they did. So it was a unique spot for them to to be in. But credit to Bubba, he's turned this thing around and good folks up there. But, you know, growing up, rural North Dakota, it was just indoctrinated in us. It was the rivalry. You just didn't like UND. It was good versus evil. It was freedom versus tyranny. It was Danielson versus Cobra Kai. That's how you looked at it. And Maddox was a bison town growing up. Uh, and the Swanee brothers had a lot of fun with that, spreading our bison love, and everyone around the area knew that. And we'll talk about the rivalry in a little bit here too. But Pat, 
What a day in the FCS right now. We got uh, a lot on the line here in Fargo for North Dakota State. A win gets you a top four or five seed, depending on what else happens in the FCS. You can climb higher for UND. You got to think seven wins probably get you in, but you don't want to leave that in the hands of the committee. You want to get to it. You want to make it for certain. Uh, and it's been a long time since it's looked like this in this rivalry, the last game of the year. It's going to be a packed crowd in the Fargo Dome. It's going to be exciting. But when we talk about the game today, give us an early preview. What are you looking for as you get inside the Fargo Dome at 2.30? And the, as a football coach, the game's starting to get settled in. And a lot of fans watch where the ball goes, watch the quarterback. What are you looking at as a football coach in the early parts of today's game? Uh, it, it's the it's the formula that has uh, served NDSU for really over a decade now. You know, it's it's playing disciplined football. It's uh, it's taking care of the football. It's uh, it's making the throws, making the catches, making sure your run fits are correct. All the little things in football that are actually the big things in football that just stack up upon each other as the game goes on. That's the formula. So it's like it's. The thing is, NDSU and, and they've they've felt this way for for a while. You know, going into every game, they don't need to do they don't need to do anything special. You play your game. You do all these little things that stack up to to equaling a win. Um, it's when we start having penalties that uh, get us behind the chains, or penalties that extend drives for the opposite team, uh, or not or, or turning the ball over. That turnovers are just a great equalizer. Uh, and so it's it's that same formula we've seen. For over a decade, um, and and I, and I'm gonna. I think NSU is gonna get it done. This is this is a lot of fun at this point of the year to have this game mean so much now between NDSU and UND. I just don't see. Uh, I just don't see UND coming in and finishing the game against NDSU. This will be a game for a while. I just don't see NDSU uh, in a performance today where they don't finish the job against UND. It's, you know, when I look back to, you think uh, when this team came in here in the spring of uh, 2021, uh, hung in the game a little bit there early in the first quarter, and the Bison poured it on. Uh, with a lot of those players for UND, this will be the first time they've seen the Fargo Dome at full capacity, at full throttle. And I think we saw that a couple weeks ago when SDSU came into the Dome. For a lot of those players in the Jackrabbits, it's the first time they had experienced the Dome at full throttle, uh, full throttle. And you can sit there in your indoor and crank up the music and crank up the crowd noise and do the silent count. Uh, but when you face the real deal, when you're in the trenches and things are flying at you, it becomes a lot harder. You look at that first half for South Dakota State, five false starts. So that's what I'm kind of looking at in the first quarter of the first half. How does UND handle that? I think the keys for the buys and getting off to a hot start. Crowd involvement. Keep the crowd into it. Get off the field on third down. Extend drives. You just bury them early. A team like UND, you saw it a couple weeks ago in the Alaris against the Jackrabbits. Got out to a blazing hot start. They're up 14 rip. Got the ball back. They throw that pick six. All of a sudden, it's 14-7. It snowballs from there. So in a game like this, you can come out, drums blazing, have a great game plan, get off to a quick start. That's what I'm curious to see. Can UND sustain that? over one quarters, two quarters, three quarters, and throughout the duration of a game. Yeah, that'll be important Yeah, to, to try to put it away early because the last thing you want to do is to keep a team like this in the game where they just start to believe oh, we can win, we can win this as the game goes along. Put it away early in their minds and so so the, the, res, the result, the decision is decided early. Decided early, and that's a lot like the Shanley Deacons last weekend Oof. in the Fargo Dome. I was there uh, watching Pat and his team take on Bismarck Century, and you talk about deciding it early. It was 21 nothing before we got our coats off. So he knows a, a little thing or two about 
uh, being in the trenches and deciding a football game early. And congrats to Pat and that Deacon staff on the state championship. And I commented in a text group, and I was talking to Tyler Axness yesterday uh, on the sister station here at KFGO, the fact that, you know, I think, again, I'm a bison. I make no qualms about it. I have green and yellow colored glasses. But you look at the type of football we saw in the Dakota Bowl, and I'd said this to our text group, the quality of coaching, the quality of the players, the type of offenses, the defenses they're running now, the number of assistant coaches on the sidelines, I think it's good if, whether it's by choice, I I wouldn't think someone would make a choice to go there over NDSU, or by the fact it just creates more opportunities to have two Division I schools in the state, I think is good for North Dakota high school football and allows a lot of kids, if they want to, they have the talent to play at the next level. They can stay in state and do that. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and we heard that uh, way back in 03 when NDSU made the jump and SDSU made, SDSU made the jump. Well, I guess we're not going to have any North Dakota boys on our team anymore. And that's just not true. Um, and, in general, I just think the uh, the quality of North Dakota high school football players in the last five to eight years has really increased. There are some really good athletes, some really powerful athletes in North Dakota high school football. Uh, schools are... Uh, schools just have like a more robust strength and conditioning program. They just realize how um, how valuable that is just for the for the the whole athlete. Um, you know, when when you're when you're stronger and faster and healthier and less vulnerable um, and healthier in school, it increases your performance in everything in, in athletics and academics and what you do in the community. Um, so they're seeing the dividends not just in athletics. Uh, I think just within their their student body in general. Uh, so the, the quality of high school football players this year, um, this year was really good. You know, Coach Mattern sat down in the uh, the all state meeting uh, a couple days ago, and when you when you listed off the names of players up for all state, there were a lot of good players in just eleven double A. You know, not to mention the other three classes, the, the kind of athletes they had. So, um, so that, I mean, absolutely. And then you get those teams in the Fargo Dome where where it's seventy two and there's no wind resistance, and you can really see that that athleticism on display. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a great day for North Dakota football, and congrats to all the teams out there that brought home the trophy, and congrats to all the teams out there, too, that just played in the game. We know how hard it is simply to get there, and yeah, you're right. You look around the state, you got guys like Cody Mauck from down in Hankinson, and you know Cordell Volson, what he's done, and, and I remember another guy, and I, again, hate to give these guys any credit, but... uh Jimmy Kleinsaucer, a Carrington, North Dakota, that had yeah. an outstanding career with our Vikings. Yeah, he was not too bad. Wasn't too bad. Old Kleinsaucer. I remember in 1996, we're at the Fargo Dome, and uh, Brother Swan listening out there, him, myself, and two pals were uh, ball boys for Rocky Hager's football team and extending into Bob Babich's era as well. And we're sitting there in the first half, and uh, my buddy Canute out there, he's uh, watching Jimmy Kleinsaucer. By that time, you know, his reputation had kind of grown, and We'd watch him win a state class B title in Carrington and play football and basketball. And so he kind of had the hype around him. But first half, Clients Husser sitting there on the UND sideline. So there'd be two of us on the Bison sideline as ball boys and two on the UND sideline. And my brother's on the UND sideline with their pal Canute. And Clients Husser takes off his helmet and puts it by their bench. And my buddy Canute gets a gleam in his eye and starts walking towards it. And Brother Swan just grabs him and says, Josh, no. <laughs> so he was going to pirate old Jimmy's helmet, take it away, and keep him out the second half. That and sounds like a Newton. That sounds yeah. like a Newton. It didn't work. And, of course, he, he caught that pass. And I can't remember. It was Eddie Schultz or Dane at the time, whoever on the broadcast just said he's going to make himself a lot of money with that catch. And, and he did. But it's, it's, it's exciting. You know, for those fans out there, this isn't a rivalry. South Dakota State's our rival. Well, I'll say this. South Dakota State's. 
the rival, UND's a rival, and it's only growing. And if we were sitting here today talking about, no offense to these teams, playing an Indiana State, a Missouri State, a South Dakota, and the Fargo Dome at 8 degrees today, there'd be 12,000, 13,000 people in the Dome, but that's not the case. The fan response to this, I think, it's coming back. Uh, at what pace it comes back, you know, that's in large part up to UND. Can they compete? Can they hang? Can they make the playoffs and start making some runs? It, well, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I, for a while there, you would ask, the, ask the NDSU players, and they would say Northern Iowa is our big rival. You know, and now that they've fallen off and NDSU, NDSU has just had so much success against Northern Iowa, UND be Northern Iowa uh, this year. And so now, yeah, that UND program now is legit top 20, top 15 program in the nation. We were talking about earlier when you're recruiting against NDSU and SDSU and really USD to some extent too, and Montana State and Montana as well. Like That's that's really impressive uh, to be able to recruit to Grand Forks. I mean, I hate to say it too, but for Stig to be able to recruit to Brookings is I've, amazing. I lived in Brookings. Can you imagine if SDSU was in Sioux Falls? Oh my, you know, you talk We'd about a lot of trouble, the top three Yelp-rated restaurants in Brookings are Taco Bell, Arby's, and, and I got to give it up for Cubbies. They got Cubbies, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's that's a, a tough place to recruit to, but credit to Stig. The Jacks are off today. They have the Missouri Valley sewn up. They likely have the number one seed sewn up. And here's what I'm curious to see with that. The Jacks now are on the bench for not one, not two, three, three weeks. That's right. Uh, rust accumulates. It, it it does. You know, and I, you, you got to, you know, I know they have an indoor practice facility that they can, they can utilize, but it's just not the same. You know, like it's, it, it, you really are going back to to fall camp, um, but then that just kind of messes with your rhythm, with your momentum in the season. Uh, so, yeah, like to go three weeks at the end of a season without any competition, and then you got to strap it on again, uh, and then play in cold weather where anything can happen. Uh, it's that might be a little bit of a concern. Yeah, it might be a little bit of concern, and and certainly they'll get healthy. But it's uh, you know nobody wants to see you sit on the bench for three weeks and. That's just the way it worked out in their schedule today. And you talk about cold weather. Our friends out in Bozeman. Yikes. Of course, we got NDSU alum Brent Vegan leading the Bobcats out there. But I got a text from Brother Swan a couple minutes ago, and he's saying eight degrees with the wind chill of negative 14 for the Brawl of the Wild today. No, thank you. No, thank you. Those uh, those Montana State fans and Governor John Dutton out there will be all amped up for that game and a little Yellowstone action as the FCS world, uh, in addition to Fargo, focus its eyes on the brawl of the wild to see if if Montana State can sew up one of those top seeds again and maybe make a push to Frisco or if Coach Bobby Houck and the Grizz can can come in and rain on the parade and take that victory. And if you're if you're the Grizz, you got to be a little upset, a little frustrated. You've been the bell cow of the FCS, and all of a sudden the some of the new kids on the block, and, and they have strong tradition, but it's kind of been as of late with uh, Coach Vegan getting to the championship last year and kind of building that program back up after some tough years under Mike Kramer's departure. And uh, to host college game day in Bozeman rather than Missoula, you got to feel a little stung if you're uh, the Grizz there in Missoula. Well, especially with them being not only the program in Montana, but the program in FCS for so long. Yeah, from Montana State to come on these last few years and now all of a sudden get game game day. Yeah, that's that's got to sting a little bit. So, um if Montana State's wins, I think they I think the first two seeds are 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 set. I think it's even if Sac State loses to Davis today, I think the number 2. If Montana State wins, they're the, they're the solid 3. If Montana State loses and NDSU wins, then maybe NDSU does bump up to to number 3. So look, this will be really interesting today. There are a lot of moving parts that still need to be decided.
And then where does Sanford fit in the picture? And we'll talk about the FCS uh, program after the break here. Uh, of course, Heard It Here with Swanee, presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for made-from-scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. Uh, stick around. Join us after break. Pat and I will break down the FCS playoff field and talk more about today's game at the Fargo Dome. Can you feel it? Is the blood boiling yet? You walk inside that Fargo Dome and you think, nah, this isn't a rivalry. But then all of a sudden you you see Bubba on the sideline. You see that Kelly Green. You think about all those days back at Dakota Field, the Memorial Stadium, and the Fargo Dome, and up in overtime in the Alaris in 2003. And... Of course, reigniting the rivalry in 15 when Carson Wentz and R.J. Erzendowski and Chase Morlock laid waste to the Fighting Hawks, and it comes back to you. That passion boils. It goes over the top, and you're ready for battle. That's where I always find myself, and I think, now nah, this isn't a rivalry, and then you have a couple pops out of tailgating, and you walk in, and you see that Kelly Green, and you're like, hot damn. All right, yep, I'm ready to go. And my my biggest memory is is that old three game. I was a I was a drum major on the field for the Gold Star Marching Band, um, and so back then, you know, they were kind of playing around even on away games and and home games of where to put the drum majors. And now they're in the stands with the uh, with the band. In old three, the drum majors were on the field for every game. So I'm on the field, uh, and I tell you what, well, when we're right next to the UND football uh, or the UND student section. It was ruthless. It was merciless down there, uh, and we wanted it no other way. And so then Rod Malone gets stuffed on fourth and two in overtime. I tell you what, the world was over back then. Rod, it, it was done. It was it was pretty grim. Rod, the money train Malone, of course, uh, at CRNDSU, started off and beat Montana Craig's first season. And, and I was a student assistant on that team up at the Alaris, and you know, going in there knowing it'd be the last time uh, for the foreseeable future the two teams would play. So, you know, we wanted that one really bad. And it was a back and forth game. I got Kyle Steffes, a uh, Bison Stadno from Dickinson, believe he broke his leg in that game. Of course, we run that little kind of inside toss, I think it was, to Rod, and they, they sniffed it out. They stopped it. They got the win in overtime, and you just you felt gutted. You know, that, that feeling stuck with you. And, and, and I think it probably took me two, maybe three years to recover. That was brutal, and you you hear it at family events from the you know folks in the family, the the folks, the outcasts that maybe cheer for UND. Y'all have one or two of them in every family, and you're gonna see them at Thanksgiving. So just a little public service announcement: when the Bison win today, just just take it easy on them next week. All right? No, no, you know, no, don't don't take it easy. No, we just had to take it. I, way back in '03, we had to take it from every UND fan too, and you just had to take it from them because you lost and you weren't gonna play. For a long time after that, no. NSU wins. You earn the right to give it to all of your UND fan family members at Thanksgiving. Let it rip. Say so. My wife, if you're out there listening, and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they're all UND graduates. So I'll let it rip. And you know what's funny? I'll say this, and maybe this isn't all UND fans, but here's what I deal with: UND football is maybe not having success. You, you wouldn't know what's happening. They win two or three games, and all of a sudden it's now us. On the bandwagon. It's we. Absolutely, we're, we're playing pretty good, and you know, God forbid they ever beat us. That's gonna <laughs> they're gonna know every stat, you know, number and figure to throw up my face, and I hope that doesn't happen. If it does, old old Justin might have a little Bailey's in the coffee at six a.m. <laughs> next Thursday on Thanksgiving as we're hosting the crew. But yeah, it's gonna be fun, you know, things like this. I think maybe we're 
a lot more civil than we were back in the day. And I'll, and I'll tell you one of my favorite. Well, I hope so. It was rough back it in the day. It was rough. NDSU UND memories were sitting there as young shavers up there taking the trip to to Grand Forks on Highway 2 with Paswa and his friends and going up to Old Memorial Stadium. And I think they actually did scan our tickets to get into that one. But <laughs> we're, uh, we're at the old uh, Memorial Stadium there on, on campus and sitting in the uh, the grandstand side. I think it was the UND sidelines where we had our tickets. And, and Josh has probably told this story on the show before. So if this is the second time for listeners, you're hearing it, just bear with me. So we asked Dad, hey, can we go stand in the end zone? You know, back then, fans would stand in the end zone, and they had this really nice, fancy uh, orange snow fence to keep fans off the field. So <laughs> The tried and true. The tried and true. You're leaning against the orange snow fence, and uh, Josh and I have those green and yellow bison horns that kind of sounded like vuvuzelas. They used to sound back at, or sell them back at the Fargo Dome, and we're sitting there in the... UND starts off pretty hot, but then the Bison make a run under old Kevin Feeney and score a couple of touchdowns. So we're sitting there all at 10-11 thinking we're pretty uh, hot stuff. So we start running our mouths a little bit and chirping and blowing our horns and hanging it on. And, you know, we, we probably didn't know at the time a lot of those fans in Grand Forks had some liquid encouragement and weren't about to take an earful from a couple 10-year-olds. So all of a sudden you see this just snowballs and ice chunks and everything fly out of the stands down towards the end zone and... Paswan goes to his buddies, I wonder what the heck's going on down there. And one of his buddies chuckles and goes, uh, you better go get your boys, Dave. Oh, it's your boys. That's what's going on. <laughs> it's your boys. So we had a lot of fun going to the ground round in, in Grand Forks back in the day and enjoying a burger or going to the turf and having a turf burger and a Coke and sitting out at Dakota Field and watching these games. But it's uh, everyone has those fun NDSU, UND memories. And, and I'll tell you one more here before we talk about the uh, FCS. So... It's 2002. We're sitting in Fargo, and our friend Cody Chathams is uh, living with us. Uh, Cody of Towner, North Dakota, and we had a couple Towner boys, a Pheasant guy, and a couple Maddox fellas living in in the Alamo there on campus. And we play UND in that 2002 season, which was a, a rough season. Uh, Coach Babich's last year in Fargo, and yeah, after the game, we uh, throw a little social gathering at the house, and we had some liquid refreshments. And we just so happened to run out of liquid refreshments. And if you uh, remember the name from uh, back in the early 2000s, the UND receiver, Travis Lewick. That's right. Lewick was there, wasn't he? He was a dude. He was a dude. Yeah, he was good. He had some success against us. And uh, Lewick happened to be friends with uh, Cody's older brother. So uh, after the game, who walks into our house? But Travis Lewick. And we're like, dude, no. Like, come on, get out. And. Nice enough guy, and we weren't uh, we weren't very uh, fond of him being at our house with Cody's brother Chris. And but I mentioned earlier we uh, we ran out of refreshments, and Luke says, "Well, well, I'll get the next one." So we uh, drive. So even after running your mouth on Travis Luick, we jumped into said, yeah, Cody's Cavalier and headed up to Happy Harry's on Nineteenth, and he walked in and he he grabbed that next keg and and uh, footed the bill. So well, he was like six five, six six, wasn't he? I mean, he was yeah, a he's a big figure. dude. Tall drink of water now, and but was nice enough to understand the if you wanted to be welcome at that party, you better step up and up your game, and he certainly did. So that's a memory that sticks with me from that 2002 season. Okay, so we promised it earlier the FCS playoff pitcher and 24 teams. You talk about the FBS, the Power Five. A four-team playoff. I mean, what the hell's that? Give me a break. Four teams every year. Just pencil in Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan, LSU. You're done. And uh, 
But kudos to LSU, Brian Kelly, and I only mention them because our pal Jamar Kane is down there as a run game coordinator having a heck of a nice season, one of the best recruiters in the country. So certainly we follow him still, and he makes uh, guys like that with these Bison connections make it fun to follow the Power Five. And we have Coach Kleiman and Gene Taylor down at Kansas State at West Virginia today making a run for the Big 12. So, uh, you know, fun to watch those Bison. We say once a Bison, always a Bison. Have success at that next level. But back to my point, a four-team playoff. You know, you have one loss at the end of September, you're done, you're out. The FCS, we have 24 teams. And I'd argue that could tend to get watered down, but, you know, it makes it exciting. You look at everything that's yet to play out today. You know, so many teams uh, on the precipice or the edge of qualifying for that playoff. And uh, does seven win get you in this year? Do you need eight wins? And, of course, NDSU Athletic Director Matt Larson is in Indianapolis today. He's a part of that selection committee that will announce the bracket tomorrow morning. But I'm going to start around the Missouri Valley. We already talked about the implication of today's games for North Dakota State. Depending on what happens with Montana State, uh, can you climb up to the three line? I think that's probably as high as you can go. Sac State, UND, or excuse me, SDSU's wrapped up. They got the Valley. Lock them in at a one or two. Sac State, they're 10-1. and one. They have an FBS win. If you lose, you finish 10-1. and one. You, You're probably still on that two line. And then Montana State today, of course, ahead of us right now, if they win, probably on the three. So the Bison, four or five line, Montana State wins. Maybe you're up to that three line. So a lot of implications. But I'm going to turn to Youngstown right now, Pat. Penguins sitting there with six wins against Southern Illinois today. Does seven wins get the Penguins in? I I think so. I think seven wins gets them in, especially without you know, especially without some of the teams in FCS that, that we've seen you know, in the in the past years. Losing to Missouri State last week was a killer. Yikes. You win that game and you're in. You win and you're in. Um, and and it, you know this is not an easy Southern Illinois team to beat, whether you're home or away. You know, so this is like this is going to be. This is not an easy game for them. So I, I think if they do win, um, that they're in, even though, you know, their four losses were to to teams that like that really could have put them in position um to solidify a playoff spot. Um but you know, with no James Madison and no um no James Madison and, and no Sam Houston. And now yeah. you know, and I don't know if the committee is gonna look at it like this, but it just seems like you know, winning the CAA and winning the Southland just doesn't quite mean what it used to mean without those teams in there. And so I don't know if the committee is going to look at it that way. Um, but with with only three teams in the Valley for sure in, I do think they take a fourth Valley team, especially since the Valley has gotten uh, five and, and six teams in in the past. Yeah, you think at the very least the Valley is going to get in three. That's the question. Do they take four and you look at... You know, strength of schedule and going down is a, a seven-win Youngstown team better than maybe a, a seven-win team from the SoCon? Are they better than a, a Mercer-type squad? And here's what just gets me. That Southern Illinois team, how in the world is that a five-loss football team? Man, they've been up and down. all year. You start out the year giving up, what, 61 in Incarnate Word? And 64 I, I, to Incarnate Word. And I know the Incarnate Word is going to win the Southland here, but again, I just feel like the winning the Southland just doesn't mean what it used to mean. But game one where neither team knows what they're going to get with their squads, yeah, you give up 64 to a Southland team? And Yikes. You, you follow that up two weeks later. You beat Northwestern. The following week, you double up UND. Uh, you get on a little roll there for Southern Illinois, and then you know all of a sudden you you drop a game to the Coyotes. 
you drop a game, I think, on a Hail Mary there to you and I. Then, of course, their That's chances right. probably slipped by the wayside uh, last week when the Bison went into Carbondale and won. And so that's what I'm curious to see. What kind of SIU team do you get? You get one that's maybe resigned, mentally knows where they're at, that their season's probably wrapped up after the day? Or do you get a team that wants to spoil Youngstown's season and knock them out of the playoffs? Let's keep an eye on that. But, Pat, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think seven wins and the Penguins are in. I think put it on ice for the Gwens at the Igloo. Another game we'll look at, the Big Sky. You got six-win Idaho at Idaho State. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with the folks there at Idaho with everything that happened, uh, you know, the tragic slaying on campus this week of four students. Uh, Pat, your sister-in-law is Idaho grad, too, so she's familiar with this rivalry. And, you know, I'll get your thoughts. Does a win put a former Jackrabbit and Idaho head coach, Jason Eck, in the field of 24? Because I'll tell you what, I think that Idaho team, should they get in, they can make a little run here and knock a team off or two in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. So, yeah, they they beat Idaho State today, which they will. They'll be in the playoffs. I I, I think the big sky is – maybe they could get six in. It, I think five are in for sure. And they might even have three teams in the top six seeds uh, if Montana State – Win. I mean, even if Montana State loses, I think, you know, you got Sac State and Montana State and then probably who's the one and then probably Davis Davis. Well, no, probably Weber State then is, is oh, probably, Weber for is, sure, yeah. Weber's probably a six or a seven C2. Um, so you got those three in and then Idaho is in, I think, at seven and four. And then even if Davis loses to Sac State, they might choose to take uh what Montana's into, but then Davis might be that fifth team, even at six and five, just like when Northern Iowa, sure, Iowa was six and five, and they made it in. But of course, the uh, the committee. Uh, so what they, you know, they sent Northern Iowa to what did they send it to UND or to USD? They sent it to another Missouri Valley school. That's right. And it, and we were up, people were upset because they didn't want to see two Valley teams matched up in the first round. But the committee said, well, we gave you six teams in, so what do you want to complain about? Yep. So it might be that kind of a deal where. Where the, the Big Sky looks strong this year, and maybe a six and five Big Sky team gets in, and the committee can justify that and rationalize that, maybe sending them to a Big Sky school in the first round since you don't play everybody in that conference. Yeah, and the Big Sky, they've had a nice year all the way around. And I'll say this as much as a homer I am. Top to bottom, I think the Big Sky is probably more balanced in the Missouri Valley this year. The Valley was this year. I would this say. year, yeah. yeah, you had some teams that I think maybe just underperformed this year in the Valley, and it wasn't a matter of oh we beat each other up. I think some teams flat out maybe just didn't meet the expectations they had for themselves. And and you mentioned that that's another one my eye is on today. Six and four Davis at ten and zero Sac State. Does a win put Davis in? You knock off the you know a team that's one and two in the poll right now. I think it does. You get to seven wins. That's a rivalry game. But Sac State, you know, I think you need to win that game to seal a top two seed. It's going to be interesting. When you try to, as much as you try to guard against it as a coach, it's tough to get into the heads of players. And if if your football players feel that they're number two, even with a loss, I mean, then then they, they don't come out with that hard edge, with that intensity, with the with the energy and the physicality they need to. So yeah, maybe maybe UC Davis goes there and 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 pulls off that upset. You know, it's just. As much as you try to guard against it, sometimes you just can't uh, when you're when you're dealing with eighteen to twenty two year olds. Yeah, it, it's a tricky picture to be in, and and that's what we always recognize. I mean, these are young kids with a lot going on, so it just that makes it a a crapshoot. They're not NFL players; they have other things on their plate right now, and that equals parity. Equals parity equals in the college game. Parity in the college game. You you heard it here, folks. Uh, the last one we'll talk about in the SoCon. You have a 
seven and three Mercer team at nine and one Samford. Samford, of course, I think in one of the brackets, the bracketology I saw this week, there's a, a certain area sports writer, and I'm not criticizing this. I'm just pointing it out. He had Samford in front of NDSU at the four five. I don't know if I see that, but Mercer certainly a win. They got to think they're in at eight wins. A Samford a loss, it might drop you off the seed line altogether. If Samford loses today, they're not seeded. Um, if Mercer wins, they're in. Mercer might be in at seven and four. Um, but then it'd be interesting to see what the uh, what the committee does with Chattanooga. Um, but even if Samford wins, a one loss so a one loss SoCon team just is not going to be above a two-loss Valley team. No, you wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. Uh, And let's shift it over to the CAA. You you mentioned the CAA earlier and a little bit different with JMU down. Really quick, we'll say New Hampshire, Maine. We got the battle for the Bryce Cowell musket. This is my old stomping grounds. Maine would love nothing more than to ruin this New Hampshire season. To rain on New Hampshire's parade. I think a win gets New Hampshire in. Uh, But we'll wrap up our playoff talk next before we break down the game on Herded Here with Swanee. Are you you ready for Thunderdome Bison Nation? Kickoff's coming up. Drink that lemon tea. Get those vocal cords ready because Bison are going to need you. First down, second down, third down, and fourth down. Make that noise. Let's get the place jumping today. You're listening to Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapaton. And, of course, if you're just tuning in, we have our good friend of the program, Pat, the real deal feel, sitting across uh, in the co-pilot seat, the goose to my maverick right now, the Spiro Agnew to my Richard Nixon, the Dan Quayle to my George Bush. Always a pleasure to have Pat on. Pat, of course, a state champion winning, two-time state champion winning football coach. He couldn't get it on the field done when he was an athlete, so he decided to get into coaching to win a couple <laughs> rings there at yeah. Fargo Shanley. Congrats <laughs> to him. But yeah, we're excited. We're going to break down the game here for you today inside the Fargo Dome and, and what do you expect to see. And, and Pat mentioned something earlier, too, and I love the text group that we have with our group because we have our own uh, official. You watch NFL games when they kick it out to Mike Pereira in the booth to break down a call. You know, I'm always biased on the side that officials always do wrong and can't get it right. Thank God for our friend Adam Jones, the NSIC official that steers us in the the right direction. Every single time. You can. And then then we got Pat, of course, that can break it down with X's and O's and his knowledge of the game as a coach. And and I want to ask you, Pat, earlier – you mentioned something called the run fit. So when we see this Bison defense maybe earlier in the year, I think things have shored up. But you have the front seven, you have the guys in a box, and a lot of time you know, fans just have the mentality, tackle the ball carrier. What's a run fit? How does that work? If you're a fan today, you can learn something new. What are you watching for in a run fit? Yeah, so just going to get the ball is what you can't do on a defense. It's, it's really just everybody doing their jobs. Um, you know, a lot of the D linemen, you know, especially in this Tampa 2, uh, want to get double teamed or want to take on two blockers so that the backers stay clean and are able to make plays. Um, you know, like if you have a stretch play going to the left, and so the defense is right, and you got two two linebackers. Are, you know, with us at Shanley, we run two inside backers, but with NDSU and that, and that Tampa 2, you got your, your Mike, your Sam, and your Will. So maybe you have your Mike and your Will there. Um, the Will has an outside gap. The uh, – 
the Mike cannot go and overrun his gap and just go to get the ball. Otherwise, there's a huge cutback that's lane. That's when you see he runs popping for that, 20, 30, 40 see, yards. Oh, how did that hole happen? Well, a linebacker overran his gap. And so um, so it's it's staying with your responsibility, with your gaps, and guarding against uh, guarding against a cutback or or if uh, or a jump cut or anything uh, so that you don't leave that gap open and, and, and get gashed on a play. There was the, one play sticks out in my mind, um, and it was, oh, what's Sam Houston? Uh, it, it may have been the, maybe the second Sam Houston National Championship game where we had um, maybe John Pike was out, and so Bobby Ullman was, was in at strong safety. And there was one where, you know, they had, uh, oh, that receiver for uh, for – Sam Houston, they like to bring him in under yeah. center to run the option with him and their running back. Yep. And so Bobby Owen, uh, he recognized that, raced down to the line of scrimmage, and he just shuffled along the line of scrimmage alongside the running back because that's his guy. And so this Sam Houston receiver, the ball is is looking at him and running and saying, why aren't you coming to tackle me? I have the football. Well, he was doing his yeah, job. Yeah, he just kind of froze at the run. line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, until our DN can get off a block and get that receiver. It's just like, just picture perfect. Do your job. Stay in your run fits. Um, that's why NSU has been so successful. It's just um, when, when you get undisciplined and try to do your own thing and try to be a hero and go make the play, you overrun your gap, and then we get gashed. So Everybody playing their own. 111th, and that right there, folks, is better than the Manning cast. You got a breakdown <laughs> from a coach himself that understands what he's talking about, unlike myself, where I just want to see tackles and sacks and whatnot. And and you brought it up a little bit too, Pat, earlier, just the defensive backfield, uh, a strength of this defensive unit for NDSU, and that's one of the matchups I'm going to watch today. UND likes to throw the football. Schuster has thrown for about 2,400 yards. He's been efficient this year. Credit to him. He's had a nice season. He's completing over 70% of his passes, 16 touchdowns as compared to five INTs. But here's what I'm looking at. The dude's been sacked 21 times. And he hasn't faced the defensive secondary, in my opinion. That's as strong as this Bison secondary, and 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 that as as experienced as this Bison secondary too. And it'll be it'll be interesting to 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 see how Andy Sue can disguise their coverages. You know, like if there are. UND does this not as much as NDSU, but you know has some motion pre-snap to try to see if the defense is in zone or if yep. they're in man. Well, sometimes defense can show man on the outside, but the inside guys are in zone. Playing so zone. yeah, so the outside guys uh, are trying to blanket uh, their receiver, but all the guys on the inside have their eyes on the quarterback. You know, and so it'll be interesting to uh, to see if they disguise that if they can fool uh, Schuster. But then it, then you bring up a good point too is the uh, uh, the pass rush. You know, so then do we. Can NDSU get there with their front four? Do they bring do they bring some pressure? We haven't seen a whole lot of pressure from NDSU's defense this year, so we'll see if there's any any wrinkles here today. And that UND offensive line is a young offensive line. It's an improved offensive line. It's a, there's an article in the Grand Forks Herald this week, and that's an area they've tried to focus on to build up. That's what you need to do in the Valley. You need to get upper class, but in, in, on those lines, offensively, defensively, and you need to build depth. And I think that's another area I'm going to look at where NDSU can maybe exploit this UND team as on that offensive line with their defensive pass rush getting after the quarterback today. Yeah, absolutely. And you lose you lose a guy like, "Well, let's go." You you uh you're so used to, UND does, you know, so used to relying on that guy and then then you just it's it's tough to replace that kind of reliability even if this is the last game of the season and so and again, you know, crowd noise is going to be a factor too. A lot of not a, for a lot of these old linemen for UND, this is the first time they've been in the Fargo Dome and we'll we'll see how they respond, see how they react right away. And, you know, this year, and that's going to be a key to the game, I think, too. Uh, but you watch it now, 
you know, we talked about UND's passing game, and of course you have Bo Belquist in Rockford, North Dakota. Bo just having a really nice career at UND, leading the team in uh, receiving this year, at over 12 yards a catch, 700 yards, six touchdowns, and of course, I think every time we've played UND in his career, he's put up a touchdown on us. Yeah, I think it looks like it looks like he takes it personally that he wants to stick it to Andy Seal. Man, he's had a really good season. He's a good athlete. His sister's a good hurdler. That whole that whole family is just full of athletes. He's just a he's just a flat out football player. Uh, that's a good way to put it. I think he's a born and bred, hard nosed North Dakota football player, and hopefully we uh, limit him today too. But then you got on the running side of things, Tyler Hoosman. For UND, and this is the for all you Bison fans out there that are familiar with the rivalry going back to the 90s. Uh, for UND, this is a Shannon Burnell type back, 6'1, 215, more of that kind of bruiser that they've had in uh, days of yore up at UND that maybe they haven't had on these recent teams. And talk about old Shannon Burnell, I'll throw a quick one in there. I think back in 96, we played Texas AM Kingsville. Burnell's brother was on the team, uh, early season game in the Fargo Dome, and the student section's in there. and so his brother runs up to the student section and lifts up his jersey. And I what, remember what that kind of Kingsville shirt is he game. wearing underneath it? One of those uh, Sue <laughs> Sue blank shirts, right? Uh, so fun memories there too. And uh, of course, we'll get into the uh, predictions next. We'll uh, uh, kick it out to break here and stick around. We'll bring it back, talk about our predictions for the game, the keys of the game for the Bison, and bring you home on Herded here with Swanee. We're taking it to the bank. As Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just um, don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Mom said it all the time growing up in Maddox. Mo money, mo problems. That wasn't P. Diddy, folks. That was... Ma Swanee, Denise Swanson back in Maddox. Mo money, mo problems. But let's take it to the bank today, give you some lock-type predictions you can take to the bank. And we'll start around the FCS uh, pitchers. We go into the playoffs. Southern Illinois at Youngstown. Youngstown has everything on the line. Southern Illinois is packing up the pads this weekend. I say Penguins. Penguins by 10. Pat, what do you got? No, I, th- I I'm taking Southern Illinois. I I don't taking th- the Salukis. I, I just Youngstown and the games they've dropped just like just have not finished, and the close games have not finished. I don't know if they do today in Southern Illinois. I and again I don't get them either because they have a good coach, they have good athletes. And I think they're going to show up today. I'm taking Southern Illinois over Youngstown. You heard it here, folks. That's an upset pick. Southern Illinois over Youngstown. Let's kick it out to the Big Sky. Who do you got, real quick? Idaho at Idaho State. Uh, that Idaho, Idaho's Idaho's taking care of business today. Idaho's taking care of business, and of course, the big one, ESPN College Game Day. I'm looking at the screen. We have Brent Vegan, NDSU alum, on right now. Montana at Montana State, and I love you, Vegs. Uh, my old boss, Leon Costello, at South Dakota State CAD at Montana State. But I tell you what, folks, Montana's got to have a burr on their side with the Bobcats hosting this one. I'm picking the Grizz. I, I think Montana's going to be a little more motivated than, than Montana State, which it shouldn't be. Montana State should have plenty of motivation to keep the top three seed. I'm going to Montana for this one, too. You heard locked in 2-0. and Let's watch that Grizz-Bobcat game. Myself and Pat both picking the Grizz. And now we got the big one. 
the battle, the bragging rights, the the Hatfields and the McCoys, the the Bison and the and the UND Fighting Hawks in the Fargo Dome today at two thirty. I think we're going to have a fun matchup. I think it's going to be as close as we've seen in a while. I think your first quarter, you're going to see the teams playing a little chess, feeling each other out. But I look at Tameric Williams. I look at Kobe Johnson. I look at Cody Malk. I look at the Bison on Senior Day. I'm picking Cam Miller to play his best game of the season. That offensive line looking like a million bucks. I'm taking the Bison here. It's going to be close in the first half. They'll bring it home in the second half. Let's say Bison 31, North Dakota 17. That's pretty close to what I'm thinking, too. I think NSU is scoring today. And again, this is going to be a, a, a close game in the in the first half. Union is going to come up fired up. Um, but on offense, I agree. I think it's the usual suspects. I think it's Tameric Williams. I think it's Kobe Johnson. Kobe Johnson's just running so much harder, it looks like. In, in past years, you know, I just yell at the screen, why are we running Kobe Johnson inside the five-yard line? Well, this year, I got no problem with that. He is running hard. So I think it's Tameric, Johnson, or Tameric Williams and Kobe Johnson on offense. Um, Spencer Wage, I think, is going to have a big game. And I tell you what, Logan Kopp is kind of the X factor. Logan Kopp yeah. has been really impressive with how he, his sideline-to-sideline speed and, and his sure tackling. I mean, he just he hits and he wraps up. Yeah, and that's going to be a key, I think, on both sides of the ball. Third down efficiency. For the Bison defense, can you get off the field on third down? For that Bison offense, can you set yourself up in third and short and keep moving those chains, keep that UND defense on the field? That's the key to the game today. Of course, looking at the game day screen, just featured up there, NDSU, UND on college game day. Not making picks yet, but going around the FCS and getting in love. Uh, but I'm going to stick to it, Bison friends. You're going to see North Dakota State lift up the uh, the air version, the non-existent <laughs> version of the nickel trophy today to finish the season at 9-2 and two to take a top four seed into the FCS playoffs. We got one minute left here, Pat. I'm going to give you three quick keys of the game for our listening audience. It's it's can can we stick to the formula? Can we run the football um, so that all of our play action rollout and bringing tight ends across formation is is in play? And and on defense, can we play fast? Can we play physical? Uh, and then can we stick to our run fits? And can we stick to to uh, to doing our job? I'm saying 38-17, NDSU over UND. I think I think NDSU is going to wear them down. I think this is where our O line shines. 38-17, 31-17. The Bison remain victorious. Chubb's Pub will be celebrating. You heard it here, folks. And remember, the strength of the herd is the Bison. And the strength of the Bison is the herd.